Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Amen. As you're having a seat, the title of today's message is Double Harvest in 2020. You know, in the month of January, oftentimes we gather together and we take a look at the things that God did over the past year. A lot of that story that we see is seen in the numbers that come in. We are just amazed every year when things take place, when we get to see what God did in the span of one year. I'm going to read a couple numbers to you, and then we're going to show you a video that tells the rest of the story and shows us some things visually. And honestly, if we went through all the ministries here, we'd be here all day and all the things and all the testimonies that God did. But I just wanted to highlight a couple of things that you're not going to see on the video that we have that's coming up. Uh, You know, being a church, there's lots of things that we do, weddings, funerals, uh, meeting with people, sitting down, spiritual guidance, that sort of a thing. I was was just so blessed to see this number that 365 people sat down with a pastor here at the Rock Church last year for spiritual guidance appointments. That means one a day, there was a pastor here at the Rock meeting with one of you guys, sitting down, opening the Word together, and talking about life. We had 28 funerals last year. You say, why is that to be celebrated? Well, you know what? It, It may be sad, but at the same time, thank God there's a church that's here to open its doors and to love on people. And uh, Chaplain Doug reminded me that we do have a grief uh, recovery group that meets every Sunday. And so maybe last year was a tough year because you lost somebody. And maybe one of those funerals was one of the ones that was for your loved one. We're here for you and we love you. But also on the celebratory side, we had 19 weddings. People are getting married. People are tying the knot. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's wonderful. Come on, come on. It's cool. How about this one? There were 196 people water baptized in our fountain here at the Rock Church and World Outreach Center last year. Now, remember, the numbers tell a story, and I love the story that's going to come with this next number, and that is that in the prisons last year, we had 95 water baptisms. What a story that is. Because you don't just get to roll in and start doing water baptisms, man. They're going to be like, what? You want to do what? I'm sorry. No, you can't do that here. But the Lord opened a door for us in the prisons, and we are so blessed by that. Um, last year, we had 52 babies dedicated here at the altar. 52 little bundles of joy. And with that, last year, here's another number that tells the story. There were 4,152 diapers changed in our children's ministry last year because of that. How fun is that? Uh, One of the ministries that you don't often hear about is our Lifeline ministry. Uh, They'll make meals or send cards to people, help people out. At times, we've gone to people's homes when uh, they've, you know, not been able to clean and and do some things like that. But we have a Lifeline ministry that, that people sit down, and they just write a little note of encouragement, maybe a scripture, that sort of thing, and they send a card to people that are going through struggles, tough times, loss in our church. And there were 214 individuals that received cards from our Lifeline ministry last year. Wow, what a caring and loving church. Here's a pretty cool number. In our children's ministry as well as in our youth ministry, okay, so this is children and teens, we have leadership clubs. One of them's called the Rockville Leadership Club. That's for the children's ministry. And the other one's called RILA, the Rock Youth Leadership Academy. And we had in our children's ministry teams, there were 112 children's ministry Uh, team workers over there, and then there were 102 teenagers that were involved in RILA last year for the Leadership Academy. That's awesome. Raising up next generation leaders. Um, We had at the altars and as well with our prayer teams going out in the, uh, the food distribution center lines, that sort of thing, there were 576 healings 
reported here at the Rock Church. People got ill. Some of you guys might have been waiting for Andrew Kabbalah. Just come to the front right after church today and you can get healed. Praise God for that, right? You don't have to wait, but bring someone with you that needs to get healed afterward. You can say, hey, man, there's healing at the rock. We can get healed. Praise God for that. Uh, Pastor Joel put together this number. I like this one. In Breaking Free, as well as our SPT, Spiritual Personal Trainer Programs, we sit down with people one-on-one, discipleship and mentoring, all right? And for the number of volunteers he had, the number of SPT completions, and number of people that completed Breaking Free, he calculated that that was 17,210 hours of one-on-one discipleship and mentoring. That equals out to 717 full 24-hour days just in 2019 of discipleship going on here at the Rock Church. That's amazing, isn't it? And now, like I said, I want to show you a video that tells more of the story. If you guys would direct your attention to the overhead screens for what happened in 2019. In 2019, Pastor Dan shared God's heart for the year and declared it a year of sowing. And I said, God, how am I going to deliver that to the people? Because that's not very exciting, is it? You think about it, you take some seed, you throw it out there, it disappears, and then seemingly for a period of time, nothing happens. So I'm seeing that, but God is saying, lift up your eyes, get a bigger picture. There's something greater on the inside of your seed than even you can imagine, because if you have faith as a mustard seed, the smallest of the seeds, and you sow it, then it's going to grow. God will cause supernatural growth to hit your seed, and it will expand beyond your wildest dreams. So throughout last year, we sowed in areas of leadership development, campus and facility upgrades, support for missionaries in need, sound and lighting upgrades, and our ongoing events and special productions. Throughout the year, we sowed into the hearts of people, and this is what God did.
God good. Isn't that amazing what God does in 365 days with a people that just simply believes him and follows him? Well, you heard it there first last year that 2020 was going to be a year of double harvest. And the title of today's message is Double Harvest in 2020. 2018, as God was rolling out the vision for 2019, the year to sow, I was praying about it and God spoke that to my spirit. He spoke that to my heart and he said, 2020 is going to be a year of double harvest. I would have thought 2020 vision, you know, I would have thought 2020 maybe reaping. If we're sowing, then you're going to reap or something like that. But God was very specific with my heart. And he said, notice the fact that 2020 is repeated. It's significant that we're going not only into a new year, but into a new decade. And I believe that God wants us to refocus our vision, yes. I believe that God wants us to get a picture of something, but God is saying that 2020 is significant. It is a significant time. It's a significant season that we're going into. And he said, I want you to notice that it's repeated. Why? Because oftentimes you'll find God repeating himself in the Bible. In fact, in the same verse, you'll find God saying the same things two times. And anytime you find God repeating himself, what is he doing? He is emphasizing, he's getting our attention, and he's expressing something that he wants us to get a hold of and realize the power behind the duplication. When it's double in the Bible, there is an emphasis and there's added strength to it. Let me, let me give you a picture of this in Genesis chapter 22, verse number 17. Abraham has just gone up to Mount Moriah at the word of the Lord to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac. He goes up to the mountain, prepares him as a burnt offering, and he takes the knife out and he's ready to slay his son and give him as an offering to the Lord. And God stops him and he says, hey, that was a test. It was only a test of the emergency broadcast. No, no, I'm kidding. He says, that was just a test, Abraham. And he says, because you have done this thing, in Genesis 22, verse 17, he says, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. Look at this, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. Did you notice how God said things twice? He said, blessing, I will bless you. Abraham, you're not going to be just blessed. You're going to be blessed, blessed. And multiplying, I will multiply you. You're not just going to be multiplied. You're going to be multiplied, multiplied. You ever listen to women talk? Some of you ladies are going all the time. I, I, I hear myself talk all the time, right? Yes, of course, Pastor Jim. What are, you, what are you getting at here? Well, I was listening to my wife talking to one of her friends one time, and she said, oh, I went shopping. And, and, and my wife said back to her friend, oh, you went shopping? Did you go shopping or did you go shopping, shopping? Now, the ladies are laughing because you know exactly what that means. And all the men are scratching their heads like, what are they talking about? This is like a foreign language to me. What is this English? But I don't understand. Right? Men don't talk like that, do they? Oh, the guy punched him. They were boxing. He punched him. He said, oh, did he punch him or did he punch him, punch him? <laughs> Never going to happen. Right? 
it's gonna be, he clocked him, right? He clobbered him. He knocked him out, right? We'll, we'll use something else for emphasis, but we won't, you know, punch and punch. That doesn't happen for men. But for ladies, did you go shopping or did you go shopping shopping? So I asked my wife, I said, what is this? What, what are you talking about? What does that mean? She said, oh, that's easy. Shopping, you know, it, it's just like stuff you don't want to buy. The grocery store, you know, if you, if you need something for the house, I have to go to Home Depot to buy something. That's like torture to me. You know, that's just shopping. I have to go shopping for those types of things. But shopping, shopping, ooh, that's the shopping you want to do. That's when you go to the mall. That's when you're going on Amazon. That's when you're buying clothes or jewelry or perfume or something like that. That's shopping, shopping, right? I said, oh, okay, I get it now. All right, so she, she didn't just go shopping. She went shopping, shopping. Okay, I get it. I, she, was doing, she was having fun. She, you know, women look at shopping like it's an Olympic sport or something like that. You know, they train for it. They get up early for it, all that kind of stuff. Another time, my wife was sitting on the couch with my daughter, and uh, she had to use the restroom, so she popped up. She ran to the restroom. She came back. She sat down. She said, what did I miss? She said, oh, they kissed. Wait, was it a kiss or was it a kiss-kiss? said, oh, no, no, it was just a kiss. Oh, okay, good. I didn't miss anything, right? Because a kiss-kiss, that would have been the one at the very end of the movie when they're outside and the twinkle lights are in the background, the snow is falling, and then they have a kiss-kiss, right? That's how they end every single one of those stupid movies. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A little predictable, but it's all good. The women love it. But you see, God is saying, Abraham, blessing, I will bless you. Abraham, you're not just going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed, blessed. I think that's where the ladies got it from. They're just following their father, right? And he says, and you're not just going to be multiplied, Abraham. Yeah, you've got one child that's there, Isaac, your only son. But that's not going to be your only son, Abraham. Your descendants are going to be as the stars of the heaven. And here's the duplication as the sand on the seashore. Neither of them can be counted. Neither of them can be numbered. But there's one that's spiritual, one that's high above, and one that's natural, that's beneath. There is a double portion that's coming to you, Abraham. You are blessed, blessed. And God is saying something to us here at this church. In 2020, there's going to be not just a harvest, there's going to be a harvest harvest. There will be double harvest in 2020. I believe this is what God was speaking to the prophet Amos. If you want to turn there with me, please turn and find the book of Amos. You will find Amos hanging out with a couple of cats. One is named Hosea and Joel on the front side. Right behind Joel, you'll find Amos. And then right behind Amos, you'll find Obadiah and Jonah. A lot of these guys are called the minor prophets. We don't play around a lot in the minor prophets. So if you're having trouble finding these guys, there is a wonderful tool at the beginning of your Bible called the Table of Contents. There's no shame. Doesn't matter how long you've been in the body of Christ. If you go to the table of contents, you can find Amos, all right? It's on page number 636 in my Bible. So, okay. Hopefully that helped nobody, probably because you don't have the same Bible that I do. Amos chapter number 9 and verse number 13. Amos chapter number 9 and verse number 13. This minor prophet has a major word for us today. Amos chapter number 9, verse number 13. He says, Behold... You see, behold, in the Bible it says, look and see. That's really what it's saying. Have a look. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. Now, we don't live in an agrarian society. Most of us in this place, we may drive by a field that's being harvested to get to work, but we don't work in the field for most of us. Some of you guys, maybe that's your job. You're a farmer, that sort of a thing. 
Uh, but for, for most of us in this place, you, you may not have any sort of context about what is being talking about. So he starts by saying, the plowman shall overtake the reaper, okay? I want you to get a picture of this. Many of us can, can picture maybe a wheat field, and there's a guy, he's got a long blade, and he's going through that field, and he's reaping, right? He's cutting the wheat down, he's gathering it into bundles, he's tying it together, and he's putting the sheaves together and laying them out so that they can be harvested, right? So the plowman, the guy that starts the process, right? Because if you have a field that you want to sow seed on, you're not just going to go out and scatter seed. No, you've got to break up the fallow ground. You've got to come, and what they would do is they would have a yoke of oxen, and they would have a plow, either wooden or metal behind it, and they would pull that, and they would cut straight lines into the earth, and that, that plow would break up that ground so that when they came and they sowed the seed, and the rains would come on it, it would gather that seed into those rows, and it, then it would take root, it would sprout up, it would produce fruit, and then it would come through, and they would reap the harvest, Right? So get a picture of this for a second, because that's a long process. It takes months of the year. It takes rains. It takes times. It takes seasons. It takes heat. It takes growth. It takes energy and effort and time for all of that. But he's saying that something supernatural is going to be happening, that there's going to be somebody that's reaping the harvest, and right behind him, the plowman, the guy that's starting the process, is going to catch up and say, hey, bro, could you move out of the way, because i got to break up this ground, because something's happening. God is doing something, and we need to get on with this. The duplication comes when he says this, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. You know what the treader of grapes is? You ever seen those Hallmark movies where they go to Tuscany, right? And there they are, and they, they're all dancing on the grapes, and the, the, the grape juice is flowing out the side, and everybody's having a celebration. It's one of those bucketless things that a lot of people would love to do is go to Tuscany and at the time of the vintage and at the time of the harvest and, and tread on the grapes there in the, the wine press, right? And it says that the treader of the grapes is going to catch up to him who sows See, think about this, think about this, think about this. Okay, you've got your straight lines, you've got all of your stakes in the ground, you've got your wires going across, you're planting a vineyard, and you are there with your, your satchel, you've got your bag, and you're planting the seed at the base of every stake so that that vine can grow up, and it can take root, and it can start to produce fruit. And so there you are, and you're planting, and as you're planting behind you, remember, treading the grapes, that was a celebration time. Oftentimes, they were dancing, they were having a good time. And so behind you, you hear music, but you just keep faithfully sowing, and you're sowing your seed there, and you're planting your vineyard, and all of a sudden, right behind you, right up on your back, they're saying, hey, can you move out of the way, because there's such a harvest, there's such a blessing coming behind you, can you jump in with us and tread on these grapes? See, the treader of grapes will overtake him who sows the seed. If you could see what was happening, it's almost as if as you planted the seed and you turned your back to go to the next one, the vine is growing up, they're curling around the leaves are coming forth. The fruit starts to come up, and they're coming right behind, and they catch up to the guy that's just faithfully sowing the seed. So much so that it says the mountains shall drip, not just with wine, with sweet wine. Come on, somebody. You know when it's sweet, that means it is a treat. And the hills get the double blessing because from the top of the mountain down to the bottom, the hills are going to not just drip, they are going to flow with that same sweet wine. There's a double harvest that God has for us in 2020. Now, what does this mean? Because it's one thing to talk about the double harvest and celebrate, oh man, there's going to be abundance. But double harvest means something to us. And if we don't know what it means, we're going to miss out on the things that God has for us this year and this season as we go into a new decade. 
So the double harvest means something. First thing it means is this. Double harvest means double the work. I heard a couple of weak amens on that one. Wait a second, dude. He just say work. Man, I knew we should have gone to that other church's vision Sunday. Man, this is, this is crazy. They're probably prophesying something better. Double the work. Can I put it to you like this? Those crops aren't going to harvest themselves. And if there was a single harvest and it was work to bring it in, then double the harvest means double the work. And yet there's something that plagues the American church today, and it's a thing called laziness. It's crept in from our society. It doesn't discriminate by age, race, background, ethnicity, economy. People have just gotten lazy. And I find that Christians carry that same attitude. What can you do for me? How can you bless me? What do you got? What's in it for me? You know, can you make it easy? Can you put it online for me so that when I have some time for my busy schedule of working and sleeping and lazing around the house, that I can finally go and get a hold of that? And yet God has never, never, never approved of laziness. In the Bible, you'll find you don't work, you don't eat. That's the principle from the Bible. That wasn't just your mama saying that. That was the Bible, all right? God wants us to be workers, to be laborers. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way. It says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse number four, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. It's just too cold out there. I just, I I can't get up out of bed. It just feels so cozy, right? Every excuse, every excuse, and I hear it as a pastor. Hey, where were you? Why weren't you in church, man? We're having a good old time. Oh, I'm so sorry. The kids, you know, they had sports. Every excuse. Not that sports are bad. You can do sports. That's fine, but don't let it get in the way of your relationship with God. Oh, you know what? We, we had things at the, at the school. You know what? The school is just taking all of our time. But listen, not that school's bad. Education is great, but don't let it get in the way of God. Anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God is an idol to you. The big game's on TV. Uh Uh-oh, Pastor, do not talk about this right now. Chiefs are finally, after 100 years, Pastor, come on, don't talk about this right now. If it gets in the way of your relationship with God, it's got to go. God must be first. He must be number one. And the lazy man will not plow because of winter. Any excuse in the book. Oh, it's too cold. It's too far. It's too much. They're asking too much. They're doing, listen, look at the rest of the verse. Proverbs chapter 24, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Notice when he is begging. During harvest. God, I can get up here and I can prophesy. I can proclaim. I can declare a double harvest. But if you're not willing to work, you are not going to partake of the harvest. Not popular. But that's what God is saying. He's saying, we got to get to work. we got to be a part of this. If there is a harvest, then we need to be laborers in that harvest. Time for us to get going. In fact, I got a letter from a member who moved quite a distance away. I want to read it to you just to emphasize this point. It says, Dear Pastors Dan and Jessica, I miss you guys. I miss the rock so much. You know the saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone? That's how I feel about you at the rock. I regret not going all the time. I regret being lazy and not going. I regret not being more involved. There's nothing out here where I moved like you guys. I should have taken advantage of you while I had you. And then she puts in parentheses, in a good way. All the excuses we made and all the laziness was not worth missing church. I wish I could have known when the rock was 10 minutes away from me. 
But now it's 17 hours away. I pray that the members of the church truly realize what they have and do not take it for granted. Don't be lazy. Don't let laziness steal the blessing that God has and the harvest from your life. See, when the harvest is ready, we have to be ready. Otherwise, we could lose the crop. Any farmer, anybody that works in in, in that industry will tell you, when the harvest is ready, when it's ripe, when it's fruitful, that is the time to get to work. That is the time to go out there and gather. That is the time to pluck. That is the time to reap. That is the time. Otherwise, if you leave it there, mold and, and, and different things, you know, just aging, that fruit can pass its time there on the vine. Instead of gathering grapes, you'll be gathering raisins. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. When the harvest is ready, we have to be ready. Get ready to work like you never worked before because if it's a double harvest, that's double the work. Otherwise, we'll lose the harvest. Matthew chapter number nine, verse number 37 and 38. Jesus had something to say about this. Matthew chapter number nine, verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. There was a problem in Jesus' day. Jesus saw the people were there. They were ripe. There was a harvest that was waiting them. But the problem was that the laborers were few. There wasn't enough workers to go out in the field and to bring in the harvest. So Jesus gives them the answer to that problem in verse 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, look at this, his harvest field. Guys, the double harvest is God's harvest. But he needs you and me to get to work, to get busy. In fact, it's very interesting that if you read on into Matthew chapter number 10, Jesus calls his disciples to himself. He names them 12, and then he equips them, and he sends them out. In other words, they were the answer to their own prayers. And I believe that as we get a heart for God's harvest, as we take a look around us in the world, how many of you know the world is getting darker and darker? And that there are people out there in the Inland Empire as well as all over the planet that are lost and dying and headed for hell. And guess what? The harvest is ripe. They are ready for the plucking. God has them in a strategic position for this time and this hour. And yet, there's not a lot of people taking it seriously that we need to go out there and preach the gospel and bring them into the house of God and reap that harvest. And so God says, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into the harvest field. And I believe when we have that heart that we will become the answer to our own prayers because God will call you to himself. He will equip you and then he will send you out into the fields. That's what church is all about is to gather together to get equipped to be with Jesus, to get filled up and strengthened, and then to get sent out into the field. The world is the field, and God is saying, I want you to go out there and gather. Go out there and work. There's a double harvest waiting for you. So double the harvest means double the work, but guess what else it means? Double the harvest also means something else. Double the harvest means more for everyone. Oh, come on. Somebody should have shouted hallelujah. Somebody should have said amen right there. Somebody should have gave God a clap offer. Double harvest means more for everyone. 
Let me give you an example of this, okay? And I'm going to use the least example that I could think of. This may offend some of your flesh, all right? Maybe some of your religious spirits that have been attached to you for so long, all right? But I'm going to use this because Jesus said this was the least, all right? The least in the kingdom was what he called unrighteous mammon or money. I'm going to use money as an illustration because we're all about money? No, because we're all about God. And God said the least is money. So I'm going to use the the simplest least example that I could use. What if God chose in this year of double harvest to give you double your income from last year. Somebody said, amen, hallelujah. I knew I should have came to the rock today. Praise the Lord in Jesus' name, right? Write it down, nudging their spouse. Did you hear what he just said? You better say amen. What does that look like? Remember I said double harvest means more for everyone. How does that look? Well, priority, God says put me first, right? He said bring all the tithe. The tithe is the first part, right? That 10% right off the top. So anything that you tithed in 2019, if God chose to double your income in 2020, that would mean your tithe would be doubled. I didn't say this in any of the other services today. I'm going to give this to you. This is just for you guys. If we had at the Rock Church World Outreach Center double our income from last year, we could pay off the church and still have money left over. I just want to submit that to your soul to believe God for greater. Because that means more for everyone, right? So more for God, more for the kingdom, more for the church, more for the people that we reach through the ministries here at the Rock Church. That means more, right? Okay, but guess who else it means more for? Somebody got it. Shout it out. Me, right? It means more for you. You got double the income, man. Hey, cool. Some of you guys are going to pay off debt. Some of you guys are going to buy a car. Some of you guys would buy a house, right? If you had double your income, man, I, I've got the down payment I was believing God for, right? If there was a double harvest just in finances. But God didn't want you to stop there. There's another group of people that God has on his heart that he's saying it's not just more for the church, not just more for God, right? Not just more for you. There's another group of people, and God, when he was bringing the children of Israel into the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is preaching sermons to the people, getting them ready for what's about ready to take place. And in Deuteronomy chapter number 24, I want you to take a look at this with me, right? Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. He's prophesying, declaring what God's heart is for the people. They're going to go into this land. They're going to inherit houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, all right? There's going to be crops and fields. God's going to bless them in the land. And God wanted to make sure that as they got blessed, they realized that there's not just a singular blessing, that there is a double blessing that takes place. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse number 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field. Stop right there for a second. Stop right there. Some of you guys don't know what a sheaf is, all right? I mentioned it earlier, but I just want to remind you of what it is. When you gathered in the wheat harvest, they would take all of the individual stocks, they would bind them together, and they would set them all in groups. Those were sheaves, all right? So it says, when you gather in your harvest, when you reap your harvest, and, and you gather in the sheaves, when you're picking them up and you're walking, that's a blessing, right? I'm ble- Look at this. I am blessed. Now, let's say you picked up all of your bundles, and one of them fell out, and you didn't realize it, and it dropped over there, and it's just behind you. And you accidentally leave a sheaf in the field. Look at what God says. This is God's heart for the children of Israel. He says, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the stranger. 
the fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. In another place, God commands the children of Israel that when they gather in their harvest, when they reap in their fields, he says, I don't want you to reap the corners. Picture a square in your mind and then put a big circle in the center of that. All the corners are open. You don't, don't touch those. He says, it's for the stranger and for the poor of your land. It's for the people who don't have means, the people do, who don't have fields. They don't have any inheritance. They don't have land to sow and reap. So I want you to leave it, and I don't want you to just leave it. I want you to leave the corners. What does that mean? I want it to be accessible to them. I want it to be easy for them so that when they're walking by, they're not ashamed walking into the middle of your property, but as they pass by, they can just go gather a little bit from the corners of the things that I've given to you. I want you to leave it there for someone else. I want you to have a heart for the poor, for the fatherless, and for the widow because God is their defender. God said, I want you to strategically and thoughtfully plan out your generosity. That's really what he's saying. What if you got blessed with twice your income next year and you were sitting at the work table and somebody said, man, I tell you, it's just been a really hard year for us. We're behind on our bills. How much are you behind? $1,200. I got you. What if? What if this year, even if God didn't double your income, I'm not prophesying that to anybody, but I hope it happens for you, all right? I don't have the word of the Lord on that. I pray that maybe you receive that. Maybe God does that for you, because all it could take is one sale. All it could take is one promotion. All it could take is one job offer, right? God can do that. That's not hard. Remember, that's the least. But what if this year, even without that, you say, you know what? I'm going to plan my generosity. I'm going to be intentional, because I do have a harvest of finances that's coming to me. So when the church asked for $25 during Thanksgiving season around October for the November Thanksgiving baskets, I'm not going to just break out 25. I'm breaking out hundos, right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slap Benny on them because I want to feed more than one family. In the next month, you're going to find out that we have a new thing that's taking place here at The Rock. We're going to give shoes to children in a school here in San Bernardino. These kids have been walking to school in their bare feet and flip-flops. Not on our watch. That's not going to happen to our city. These are our kids. And so this church is going to supply over 900 pairs of shoes for that school. That's just one school, guys. Eventually, watch and see. We're going to be in all the schools doing something. Because this church is a generous church, and we take care of the poor, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you see us asking, because we're, we're going to ask, we're going to involve you guys, okay? Because it takes money to put shoes on kids' feet. How many of you know that? My own kids, man, $100. Oh, my goodness. We're getting them Nikes because we don't want them to be ashamed of the shoes that they're wearing. We're going to get them some nice shoes. And we worked out a deal, $40 for a pair of shoes. Oh, I'm not just buying one pair of shoes. I'm going to get $120. i am going to slap it on. See, strategically prepare your giving. When you see the person on the side of the road begging, yeah, they might use it for drugs, but if the Lord prompts your heart to have a couple bucks extra to bless them and tell them Jesus loves you, and listen, if you need food, go to The Rock. It's right over here. And then what they do after that, that's between them and God. Your job is to be generous. Your job is to be kind. Your job is to share the love of Jesus everywhere you go, strategically planning that, listen, if I'm blessed, I'm not just blessed. That's a single blessing. But guess what? I'm blessed to be a blessing, and that's the double blessing that God has for my life. I'm blessed, blessed. Last one is this. I got to run. Last one of this, and I like this one. This one's fun. Double harvest. Yes, 
it means double the work. Yes, it means more for everyone. But lastly is this. Double harvest means it's time to rejoice. Come on. It's time to rejoice. It's time to smile. It's time to celebrate. It's time to dance. It's time to laugh. It's time to lift up your voices and give God a shout of praise because the harvest has come in. Did you know that God commanded the children of Israel to celebrate with feasts three times a year? Oh, God, you're so terrible. What a task. You mean I got to go to Jerusalem to have a party three times this year? Are you kidding me? You think God's stuffy when he's commanding them to celebrate, commanding them to feast? God is amazing. God. And one of those celebrations, 50 days after the first barley harvest came in, they were commanded to join together in Jerusalem and to celebrate the harvest. You know it better as Pentecost. Isn't that amazing? That there at the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people that were in the upper room and as they spread out, there were people that were celebrating the harvest, not realizing that that's the time that God chose to bring in the first fruits of the new harvest that would come under the new covenant. That there would be 5,000 people that heard the word of the Lord as Peter proclaimed it and they were pierced to the heart and they came in to the house of God. Listen, if God is speaking double harvest over this church and over this season and over your lives, then guess what? It's time to celebrate. It's time to party. It's time to shout hallelujah. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter four, verse number 34 through 36. Jesus gets in on this. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was a worker. We're also workers in his field. Verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, look and see. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for the harvest. Verse 36, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. There's one blessing, but look at the double blessing. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Could it be that Jesus, when he's speaking this to his disciples, is referencing Amos chapter number nine, that the treader of grapes who's partying and celebrating and is catching up to the sower of seeds, that the sower and the reaper are rejoicing together. God is saying to us, Rock Church Memorial Outreach Center, you might have had a hard season. It might have been a tough year. It might have been a tough decade. But God is saying, I want you to laugh again. I want you to smile again. I want you to hope again. I want you to believe again. I want you to lift up high praises to God. Don't be depressed and down and discouraged. No, God is good. And as the harvest comes in, it is time to celebrate. Come on, somebody celebrate and shout hallelujah. Come on, give God praise today. Glory to God. Every year at this time, we also give you guys some specific things. I want to just run through some specific things that we're going to develop this year, things that we're believing God to see, things that we're going to sow into. Sowing doesn't stop just because we're reaping and harvesting, right? We've got to continue to develop and continue to build, continue to sow, but also we're going to reap in some areas this year. One of those areas is the welcome and experience team. I want to develop a whole process, a whole team, a whole mindset, if you will. It's going to be a pendulum shift, all right? For this church, that as people come in, there is a welcome and there is an experience that takes their breath away. 
I went to Chick-fil-A the other day. How many of you know that's the will of God for your life? All right. Yeah, some of you guys already know that. Praise the Lord. For the rest of you guys, you need to get on board. Okay, that's the Lord's chicken. And so my wife and I were driving to San Diego, and we decided to stop for food, and we, we pulled into Chick-fil-A's parking lot. Line all the way through, just like it should be, right? Because God has blessed them, because they've taken a stand for Jesus Christ, and they've not backed off of it. Even with closing on Sunday, they're still profitable. And people are waiting in line. So we said, well, it's a long line, man. But I was amazed. It didn't take us any time to get to the front of the line at all. In fact, they had that one line split into two lines. They had millennials out there with little tablets, right? Love the millennials. These guys know what they're doing with a tablet. They know how to work a tablet. And while they're working the tablet, they're asking me what I want. Okay, so you want the sweet tea or do you want the regular tea with your, your Arnold Palmer lemonade? Okay, the regular tea, all right. Can you keep moving? Can you keep it up? You know? And so I'm like just driving along. And as I'm driving, they're taking my order. I was amazed. She says, okay. She ensures the accuracy of the order runs through it with me. That's one time. She says, you're going to head right up here to this gentleman right there at the, at the booth, and he's going to give you your receipt. So I drive up to the booth. He ensures the accuracy of the order. I say, yeah, that's it. He says, okay, would you, I'm going to print you out a receipt. <laughs> Off his hip. I'm not playing right now, guys. Literally, he printed a receipt off of his hip. I'm like, are you an Android? What's going on here? Printed me a receipt. Here you go, sir. You're going to take that right up there to the window and get your food. Thank you. My pleasure. I roll up on the guys at the window, and there's two young men, smartly dressed. One of them got some suspenders on. The other one had a tie on, looking good, smiles on their face. What'd you get? They're asking me this through the window, right? It's not just staring at me like, no, what'd you get? I got the club. Oh, have you ever tried the club with the spicy chicken sandwich? I said, yeah, but I don't like that. He said, oh, it's all good then. It's all good. And they started talking about their favorite things at the restaurant, things that they like to eat. We were chopping it up, talking, man, having a good old time. They got us our food. When they handed me our food, they ensured the accuracy of it, made sure it took some extra time with us. And then as I drove away, I said, thank you guys. And I heard those words that everybody longs to hear at Chick-fil-A. It was my pleasure. As we drove off, we said, man, church ought to be like that. People ought to come into the parking lot and they see a smiling face waving at them. Somebody's ushering them into the next available spot. As they get out of their car, is it your first time? We're so glad that you joined us today. God's going to do great things in your life. Oh, you got children? Is your first time checking the children? Let me check your children in. Come on. Come on, somebody. Let's believe God for greater things. Come in and the ushers are getting there. Let me get you a good seat. You don't want that stuff in the back. Come on, let me get you a good seat up here. Come on, you're a part of the family now. This is your church. They find friends when they, when they raise their hand for the first time visitor. People are patting them on the back. People are giving them some nuts. People are saying, man, I'm so glad you're here. You're going to love it today. As they leave, man, they're just overwhelmed. I want them, when they get on the freeway, to look at each other in shock and just say, man, have you ever had an experience like that in church? No, no, never. It was amazing. And they can't wait for Sunday night. They can't wait for Wednesday to roll around. They can't wait for women around. They can't wait for the next weekend to come up because the experience was just breathtaking. We want to develop that this year. We're going to develop that. I'm signing 
all y'all up, okay? Every single one of you is an honorary member of the Welcome and Experience team. We'll tell you when we're ready to, to have official signups, that sort of a thing. Um, SPT, we're gonna do some new materials, Pastor Joel. We're gonna do some new materials this year. I think we need a rewrite. I think it's time. I'm gonna pick Pastor Jim's brain about discipleship. He'd been sitting on a book and we're, we're not waiting anymore, Pastor. I'm just gonna interview you and then I'm gonna write it, all right? So we're gonna do some new materials. Gotta put somebody on blast, all right? So he can take it. Um, I mentioned the new outreach uh, as well, growth path and classes. Reverend Teresa is getting ready to get her doctorate. And she is writing on discipleship and the process, that sort of a thing. So we got some great classes, but not a lot of people are going through them. And so we're going to create a channel. We're going to create this. And so she's working on that. We're going to see what she comes up with. And then we will implement and we will work this thing out. But this year is going to be a year that we sow into that and that we reap a reward from that. I believe that. And as well, uh, if there's a double harvest, I want to see 10,695 people saved. I want to see over 22,000 people saved. That means double harvests. Now listen, next year, I might get up here and say we had 9,000 people saved, 11,000 people saved, 15,000 people saved. But guys, unless you get out on a limb, right? I like what Rick Warren says, the fruit's out there on the limb, right? You gotta get out on a limb with God. You gotta risk and you gotta declare things. So I'm declaring in the next year, 22,000 salvations at the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. That's not gonna happen just because I said it or because we clapped. It's gonna happen because laborers are going out there into the harvest fields and compelling them to come in. And because we are putting on opportunities and experiences for people to come into the house of God. So this year, the women's ministry decided not one GNO, we're gonna do two GNOs, one in the spring and one at Christmas. They're doubling up. They're gonna make sure that they give women the opportunity. We're doing the men's conference again this year. We're gonna do the play, but we're not just gonna do it at Christmas and Easter. We'll have some special stuff for that, but we're gonna pare that down a little bit. It'll still be wonderful, still be amazing, still be opportunities for people to get saved. But we're gonna put a play probably in the summer. We're gonna pick a date, we'll find a time, and we're gonna have not just one weekend, but two weekends where that thing goes like Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we're gonna give people an opportunity to come in to the house of God, see visually, experience it, and then respond to an altar call. Guys, if we want to see a double harvest, we've got to do double the work. And so we're going to be working hard here at the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the vision that you've given us today. God, my prayer is that this would not just be vision for the rock, just the entity of the church here, but it would be corporately our vision, that we would take hold of it ourselves. We would have that heart, God, and that individually, Lord, that you have spoken to your people given them a vision of the year and the decade that's ahead. In this moment, in this quiet prayer time, would you just take a moment? What areas are you believing God for a harvest? Some of you guys remember your seed packet from last year. Maybe you still carry it in your Bible or your purse. Is there areas that you haven't seen the fruit yet? Still believing God? Would you just lift those areas that you're believing God for up to him right now? Just take a moment. Lift it up to him. God, I'm believing you for this. Here's a question to ask God in your prayer time right now. God, what work is involved in this? Is there something you need me to do? Is there some way you need me to get going? Is there a seed I need to sow? Is there ground I need to break up? 
someone I need to talk to. What's the work involved in your harvest? Ask God right now. Write it down. God spoke to you. Write it down. You don't want to forget. Tell your spouse. If you have a faith-filled friend here, tell them, God just spoke this to me. Go ahead right now. Finally, would you just take a moment and pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his fields? Would you allow the compassion of God to rest on you? Gain his heart for the lost. Father, we thank you that you're going to use us in answer to our own prayers. Here we are, Lord. Send us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.